Hello, everybody. Dr. Lonnie Stewart here from the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. Are you a physical therapy student about to start studying for the National Physical Therapy Examination? Or maybe you're a professor, a program director, or a clinical instructor who teaches DPT students preparing for the NPTE? Either way, we would recommend checking out our sponsor, NPTE Final Frontier, and the community they've built around preparing for and succeeding on the NPTE. That exam and the preparation that goes along with it can be long, tedious, difficult, and stress-inducing, but it doesn't have to be. NPTE Final Frontier has the tactics and resources to help address all of the usual barriers. They even have scholarships to help with NPTE study courses, FSBPT registration fees, and even research opportunities. And if that's not enough, they're even donating to the very first annual HET Podcast Scholarship to be awarded at the end of every year. Go to NPTEFF.com for all of the details and use code HET for 10% off all purchases. Links to both the NPTE Final Frontier and their scholarship options are available in the show notes. And now, let's get ready to learn. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. F. Scott Field, and I've got with us today an entire crew from the NPTE Final Frontier Group. Ladies, go ahead and introduce yourselves and let us know uh, who you are, where you're coming from. My name is Irreen Kaur. I'm both certified clinical specialist in orthopedic physical therapy, and I'm currently working in an outpatient facility in Houston, Texas. I'm a lead instructor at OCS Final Frontier, and on the side, I also teach for NPTE Final Frontier, and I am also a clinical instructor, so I take students, and I am a foreign-trained PT who has done the bachelor's and master's in physical therapy from India, and that was back in 2010 and 2013. I moved to U.S. in 2016, did my doctor of physical therapy from Loma Linda University, California. And currently, I am also pursuing my fellowship in orthopedics and sports manual therapy from IAR Houston, Texas. So um, I've always found my passion in orthopedics. And I'm studying for this OCS exam, and I found and identified there are gaps in the resources. The thing is that a lot of people who are taking this exam are working full time and they have their families, they have their personal obligations. My own story is likewise. I was pregnant at the time and it was hard for me because of the exhaustion and fatigue and I was working full time. And by the end of the day, I used to be like, okay, there's so much of material which I have to go through from different programs I was enrolled into. And it was just overwhelming. It's just so much of content and so much of resources available out there. But I feel that those resources are more of a passive structure where it's just, okay, recorded things and tons of reading, case series, studies, which are there, which we have to follow. And it's expected that we, in the limited time, which we have, we have to cover everything. And it gets overwhelming as, as a person overall. So that was one of the pitfalls where we felt like, oh, we need something. We need to create something. And in this podcast today, we have two of my colleagues over here, Brenda and Priyam, and they will all say the same thing. And we actually were a group when we were studying for the OCS exam. And we together have found and found this crisp clinician-centric course where it involves more active learning. It, like we have to provide clinicians with some kind of support in terms of mentoring, in terms of a timeline in which they can 
actually finish all their readings, all the information which is important for the OCS. And then there are a lot of other things which we have compiled together to make this OCS Final Frontier program, where it's, as I said, it's more of mentoring and active learning. And that's how we want to help students or the clinicians who are taking this exam, because this is one of exam, which takes approximately seven hours to complete. And it is a lot to be taken in one go. Yeah, that's my take. And I'll give this to somebody else. (laughs) All right. Well, we can with the alphabetical theme, Priyam, you're up next. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're coming from. Hi, I'm Priyam Sangui, and I'm a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, and I'm a lead instructor of OCS Final Frontier. Currently, I'm working in an orthopedic outpatient clinical facility in Virginia, and uh, I have a similar background like Amreen. I did my bachelor's and my master's in orthopedic back in India, and I did my DPT here in Truro College, New York. And uh, since then, actually since the past 10 years, since I graduated in 2012, I have been working in an orthopedic outpatient clinical facility. And I think even with that much exposure, there was something missing. Like I really wanted to give better patient care. So I think OCS definitely helped with that, not only after becoming certified, but the whole process of learning a lot about evidence, evidence evidence-based practice that really helped a lot in improving the clinical practice, which is why I would definitely recommend OCS for a student, for a clinician where orthopedic is their passion. I would definitely recommend going for OCS. And I can talk a little more about the course, but I think we'll get done with the introduction first and we can go ahead with the course later. All right. And last but not least, Rhonda, you're up. Sure. Thank you. Uh, well, hi, everyone. My name is Rhonda Kapadia and I'm also a board certified orthopedic physical therapist. I currently work at an outpatient clinic. I work at the Duke University Hospital System, and I'm also a clinical instructor for the students. My story is a little bit different. I actually come from a very neuro-based background. I have a master's degree in neuromuscular physical therapy from the University of Pittsburgh. And I've been very blessed that a lot of opportunities that came my way as a clinician were actually orthopedic-based. And that's the reason I started learning more about this. And Studying for the OCS has definitely been an amazing experience. And I definitely second what Priyam said and what Amreen said, that if you want to be a better clinician, if you want to continue growing and want to continue learning, I think going for the OCS is definitely one of the best options out there. All right. So three letters, OCS, right? Orthopedic Certified Specialist. Is that close? Uh, I think now nowadays they're changing the language a little bit to, to board certified specialist in orthopedics or something like that. But moral of the story is those three letters after your name are a pretty big deal because there's a couple different ways to go about getting your OCS or any of the certified specialties. You can take a residency and practice for a year, get your mentorship, get your studying in, and then sit for the board exam at the end there. Or you can kind of take it on your own after working, I think it's what, 4,000 hours with that specific population, 2,000 hours. Okay. So 2,000 hours with that specific population, which equates to about a 40 hour work week for the year. So if you work in an orthopedic setting, especially like an outpatient for a year, you can then sit uh, and take the board exam. If you opt for that route, which I strongly recommend, that's the route that I recommend because residencies can be expensive. 
Uh, you know, it depends. It's different strokes for different folks, right? There's going to be different people that need different things. Some of them need more hands-on and more in-person mentoring, in which case a residency may be the way to go. But if you feel like you're just a go-getter and you just want to try it yourself, you want to sit down and study for a year and then take the exam, you need some sort of roadmap. You need some sort of, like you guys said, there's just a ton of content out there. There's a ton of resources. And really, I feel like it's almost overwhelming. It's like drinking from a fire hose. There's too much out there. So tell us a little bit about how you guys went about crafting and creating a roadmap for students to follow to get down to finally sitting and studying and then taking the exam. Our goal for creating this course was mainly to optimize the time. Like everyone is a busy clinician. Nobody has the time to given the amount of hours they gave to get licensed. Right? To get licensed, they might have studied six hours a day or eight hours a day or 10 hours a day. But while studying for the OCS, you may have family, you may have kids, you may be really busy, you may be having 12-hour shifts. So the goal of OCS Final Frontier was to optimize time and create a timeline for them in the most efficient manner. So what we did was we created a five-month timeline and it does not include intense studying, like it does not include you reviewing the content every day for three hours or four hours. We made a timeline in a way that we are going to meet you every 15 days. And in the time frame, we have some lectures that we have recorded for you, collecting all the information that we use to do our own studying. So there are a lot of resources, like there are clinical practice guidelines. There is your current concepts book, which has most of the recent evidences. Then you have your anatomy, you have your biomechanics, you have differential diagnosis. We did it in a way that we collected all this information, created recorded lectures for these joints. And the most important content, like your CPGs and practice question, how to break it down, we decided to cover that in the live class. That would make the material more digestible. And even when you're driving, could just listen to the recorded material. You do not have to sit for three hours a day to actually study the content. That was the main goal of OCS. And this was done because we all experienced this. We are working with Final Frontier as a tutor. We do a full-time job at a clinic. So with having more than 40 hours work week, how did we study for the OCS? So we tried to basically compile all the important resources to make this a smooth journey for our students. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that given the Cliff's Notes version of ortho, everything you need to know orthopedics, right? It's a lot. It's overwhelming. So you have to get it into digestible parts and it has to be like the highlights, the, the high points. And the thing I love about NPTE Final Frontier is going above and beyond just the NPTE exam now is brilliant because every person that I've worked with, every person that I've interacted with, every person, every touch point along the way within NPTE Final Frontier is just that. They're brilliant. And I'm not just saying that to, to fluff your guys' feathers here, but I literally know the hard work that goes into, A, prepping for one of these exams as I'm studying for one myself right now. And it's not easy. You can't just, I'll study this and I'll study that. You need some sort of thought process to, to develop the curriculum in an order that makes sense, taking out the highlights as you go, and then, like you said, realizing this test is for full-time, pretty much working people. It's a 40-hour it's work week. And then you've got to study on top of that, whether you take a residency or you do studying on your own. I love that outlook. I love the management and the organization of it. 
uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Tell me a little bit about some of the things, maybe non-content related that you guys have seen that come up when it comes to like study tactics, health and wellness, things that people don't really think about that I know a lot of you guys talk about when it comes to test taking strategies and whatnot. I can take that one. I think the one most important recommendation that I usually give the students that I work with is of course, like we just said, right, there's so much content and there's so much to remember and it's not always possible to do that. But if you start applying whatever you're studying, right, so if you read the clinical practice guidelines and you said that, okay, these interventions work great for somebody who has frozen shoulders, so on and so forth. So if you go to your clinic and you start applying all of those concepts, not only are you helping your patients, of course, you're being a better clinician. And it could help with retention. So I think that is one of the first and the most important recommendation that I have for the students is start applying this. This exam is not just about passing the exam and just getting those three letters after your name. It's more about being a better clinician. And the best way to do that is going to the clinic and applying these concepts. Yeah, that's huge because I think whether you pass or not, the prep and the study for becoming OCS and, and going that direction is what makes you the better clinician. So, I mean, obviously you want to pass the test, but if it doesn't happen on your first go around, my hope is that you would dust yourself off, get back up and try it again. But all that time that went into studying and prepping for the exam made you a better clinician along the way. Obviously, yeah, you'd love to pass and stuff, but if you apply enough of this stuff to the, your everyday situation, it should make it stick a lot better because you're putting it into context. And that's a pretty good equation for passing the exam because that stuff, it will stick a lot better. And that's the hard part is making the stuff stick or at least as much of it as, as we can. This exam is also a very lengthy exam. It is almost an eight hour exam that is seven hours with one hour of break. So you definitely need endurance for that. And I would completely agree to what Vrinda said because a lot of times you're cramming information. Level A evidence is this. Level B evidence is this. If you're trying and remembering A, B, C, D, E for every particular CPG, that's not happening. Unless you, you remember A for all and go and apply the A on your patients and see they're getting better, that's what definitely sticks. And I believe that Keeping those keywords in mind while you're studying definitely helps you on the test because I think I personally struggled with time when I was giving the test and it was one hour, 30 minutes for one section. And you look at the questions, by the time you know it, you're almost running with the timer, one minute, one question. All you get to see is, okay, what have they asked you? What is the keyword there? And you just mark that particular answer. So test taking skills is really important. And this was the biggest reason why OCS Final Frontier created an exam with 250 questions. When we were doing our preparation, we had no single resource where we could sit for eight hours at one go. And that actually showed on the exam when we were struggling with time. But that was the main reason that we started with creating an exam that simulates the real OCS exam and has 250 questions. Yeah, that's huge. You need that because you have to build test endurance. You have to. It doesn't, there's no way, like sitting down and taking a 10 question or 20 question quiz or even a 50 question test in a section or even a hundred question test, that does not simulate five, six, seven hours in a room by yourself trying to focus for that long. Looking back at my story, right, it took me a handful of times to pass the NPTE and I had a lot of issues going on that I didn't really know about recently diagnosed with ADHD. Wish I had known that back in the day, that would have been a big help. I would have attacked things much, much differently. 
but uh, second guessing myself too. I would go in there, get it narrowed down to the two best answers, pick the one and then think, no, maybe not. And then I'd switch it. It wasn't until I finally just said the hell with it. I'm trusting myself and my gut and sticking with my first answer. That's when I finally passed the exam. So again, I always say this, but I wish that the NPT Final Frontier was around back in the dinosaur days when I took the exam, because I think it would have been a lot of help. But now I think this is great that you guys are branching out into the certification exams as well, because like I said, I'm going through it right now myself and it's not easy. It's not an easy. It's a lot of info. It's a lot of content. So I, I appreciate you guys and what you're doing to try to make this easily applicable for student or new grads or, or those that are interested in becoming a certified specialist. And now for a quick shout out to our newest sponsor, Varela Financial. If you're a physical therapist and you have student loan debt, you got to talk to these guys. What makes them unique is that they view financial planning like running hurdles on a track. And for PTs, the first hurdle many of us run into is student loan debt. Varela Financial will help you get over that hurdle. They not only take the time to explain to you which plans you individually qualify for and how those plans work, but they also take the time to show you what your individual case looks like mapped out within each option. So if you're looking for help on your student loan debt or any area of personal finances, we recommend working with them. I use Varela Financial personally, and they were able to help me lower my student loan repayment from about $1,800 a month down to about $135 per month simply by finding the right repayment plan that best fit me, my family, and our life goals. You can check them out at varelafinancial.com. Link is in the show notes if you need it for reference, and tell them the HET podcast crew sent you. And now back to the show. Tell me a little bit about any tips or tricks or just things that, you know, you, you learned along the way that you felt that were helpful for you or that may be helpful for future students. I'll go ahead for this one. So one of the things is because I come from a background where I was just used to treat, treating these spine cases. So I was treating just cervical, lumbar spine and thoracic spine. And I was really good. Like I was at least confident about those topics and those patients when I was treating. But when it came to painful joints, let's say elbow or hand, we have barely seen those cases in the clinic, but we had that content in the class or sorry, the exam. So in that case, I feel like we as clinicians individually, we need to understand what are our weaknesses and our strengths, like which joint part is, are we comfortable with and what else is there we are not comfortable with. We know many of us, we have not seen a lot of TMJ cases, but we know that's a body part is which we are going to test on in the exam. So knowing wherever we are lacking and putting some extra hours, extra time in understanding those topics and then applying that in your clinic. If there's a patient and next time you should not be giving that TMJ patient to somebody else, but trying to solve and trying to do the clinician wise evaluation and see how better you are getting on that joint and then apply that thing in your exam as well. So I definitely feel that gives you an idea that, oh, these body areas of content are you lacking in and you have to get better on those areas because we are working in outpatient clinics, which are orthopedic specialty, right? Yeah, I love that. So pushing yourself further, trying to take on those areas where maybe you're not as strong, yeah. like a SWOT analysis, right? Strengths and weaknesses. I love that. Ladies, any other tips, tricks, pointers, things that were helpful for you? Studying in short bursts. Do not try and get everything in that weekend. Do not cram all your information in that one, one month. Try and break it down. Distributed practice. If you can study even for just 20 days, 
minutes at the end of the day, that's good too. If you have decided to do one joint in one week, the next week, just take five minutes to go over the highlights of the CPG, just your clinical prediction rules for that particular joint. Keep short notes, post-its, pictures on your phone. So sometimes at lunch break or something, you can just review your things that need more memorization, like your clinical practice guidelines. Too much information can get very overwhelming, so don't run behind a lot of resources. The main reason why we have uh, made things more short, customized, is because you are not running behind a lot of resources, because there are a lot of articles. There are a ton of articles. You solve 100 practice questions, you'll get 100 articles to refer to. Don't run around doing that, because you're never going to be able to go back to it, or review it, or try to remember it. And I think like I said, don't cram all the information. Taking a larger timeline, like four months, is good, which is why we have distributed the course over a four months to four to five months timeline so that you're not cramming all the information towards the end. The last month, that's your February or March, whenever you're giving the examination, should be more of just reviewing what you've done in those three months prior to that. So yes, yeah, sticking to a timeline is very important and sticking to the resources that are limited is also very important. I'm just going to summarize this in three points. One is know your basics really well. I think one of the things that we end up doing is we focus so much on the complex and advanced and like the evidence-based content that we forget that a lot of questions are actually asking you about basic human anatomy, right? So make sure you know your basics really well. Secondly, Rina and Priya mentioned CPGs are extremely important. So know your CPGs really well. And third is review. Like we already established that the content is a lot. So the more you review, the better it's going to be. And if that means that you quiz your own self, so be it. Ask, ask your partner to quiz. You have a study partner, right? Um, Whatever works best for you, make flashcards, right? Use your index cards, make, make flashcards for your CPRs and everything. Whatever it takes, do it. But review because that's something that's really going to help you solve all the questions like in a timely manner. Finish solving them in a timely manner on the exam. I love it. And one little thing which we did not know during our preparation, but we're going to make sure that our students know it, is we thought it's all orthopedic based. No, you do have neuro, you do have your organs, you do have other systems, you do have research. It's a combined examination. Yeah. So just don't think, don't expect to see questions only on ortho. That is one thing right. we did not know, but we're going to make sure that our students know about it. Yeah, so just That's know everything. True. And know a lot of research. Yeah, the basic research, not just the complex ones. But yeah, overall, that's also important. And what all has said, like basics, know your basics. Anatomy, your biomechanics is something which they're going to ask you on the exam. Like gait, you should be knowing that. Reviewing those all little things which we maybe think that, yeah, we know. Or they might not ask that because it's evidence-based exam. No, you need to yeah. know your basics. Yeah, Re review all of it because it's probably going to show up. Awesome. Thank you so much, ladies, for taking the time to come on and chat a little bit. We're going to wrap up with one question outside of the OCS exam here. It's one question that we give to all of our guests. And that question is, if you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be DPT or otherwise, what aspect would you change and how would you change it? And this is a tough one. So take your time, but don't be afraid to just tell me what comes to mind first, because that's usually the best answers. I have something in my mind because I always think about this. So in our schools, we are taught the basic things about all the different 
systems and all different physical therapy aspects. But when it comes to like, I understand there's specialization in X, Y, Z areas. Like you have to do MDD certifications. You have to do your dry needling certifications. But why don't we involve or put this also into the curriculum that students who have so much of loan on them and they have to pay out all of that. And over that, when you want to get specializations, apart from residency and fellowship programs, I'm not saying all of that should be included, but all these little things like dry needling, I think that should be taught at the school, maybe. Or much more aspects of MDT should be taught in the school. Or there's so many other schools of thoughts which are being used all around the world, which are helpful for scoliosis, they're shrubs. But do we know that? So all those things, I think the different universities can get involved in some or the other way that they are engaging with these all organizations and maybe not getting all of them, but few of those courses yeah. involved so that when the, the clinicians are coming out as new grads, they have something there in their hand and it's not like, oh, I need to go and get the certification done and then only I can apply things. And it's so expensive. Simple as that. Over all that you have to pay off. So that's something which yeah. comes to my mind. Yeah. So just a little taste tester menu inside of our curriculum already so that we come out with a few more minor certifications that may help to deviate the cost a little. I like that. Good thought. Who's up next? I also believe that we do need a little more clinical integration. Being a CI, I do have students who come. They're always willing to learn more, but they're coming for the clinicals at a time where they've almost forgotten a lot of their base. Like when they were in first year, they don't remember their anatomy. So I believe when they actually come for their clinical internships, they should be having an idea about that, which is why I think if they can have two hours observation when they're in their first year, when they're in their second year, that would help a lot rather than having everything towards the end where they've forgotten what they did during their previous years. And I completely agree with Amreen. We should definitely include a lot in our courses itself rather than just reviewing the basics and the clinical foundations. And thirdly, I also feel that like we have NPT Final Frontier that makes you, that helps you get licensed for the NPT. A lot of students struggle after schooling to get licensed. I believe that if they could have some kind of curriculum integration where, okay, there are these many credits for doing a course or passing the NPT, and that gives them more confidence once they pass. We do have a lot of students who are struggling to get there. So I think that would also be pretty helpful. Yeah, agreed. I think Priyam and Amreen, they both gave great responses. I think my response is purely based on my experience. And I know every school is different, right? Yes, we have the CAPTE guidelines for DPD students. And then every school has their own special thing that they teach as well. It's the same thing even for clinical experience, right? I remember in my school, we were in the clinic every single day since like first year of PT school. And it, it's, it was just amazing. So I do agree with getting that experience or exposure would definitely be helpful. But for me personally, I think I would say, I wish we had, and I think I'm going to like my answer, that I wish they would have some form of financial education for students especially considering the loans and things like that, knowing that it's a very rewarding profession, but sometimes it can get hard out there. So I think just having a course or like just having resources where you can continue down that path as well. I think that would have been nice. That's something I wish I 
Yeah. So my dissertation was on service-based learning. And so I'm a big fan of getting out in the community and trying to come up with community service projects that will help clinically with learning earlier on in the curriculum. So I agree with you gals on that one. And I just presented at ELC on financial literacy in the curriculum. And that's one thing that we've been working on at St. Augustine there is just putting together a, a, a course that can help bring you from not knowing anything about your finances and student loans and how this is all going to work to at least being competent enough to know that what you're taking on from a student loan standpoint, it's like you said, it's going to be different for everybody. People are coming in at different levels and different knowledge bases and different plans as far as how much student loans versus no student loans or some student loans, whatever. But you have to know the basics of how we get paid as physical therapists. There's different payment plans for different types of settings. Even within like home health, you can get paid via points, hours, or number of visits. There's three or four different payment methods. You know, you could do really well in home health if you have the right setup for getting paid. Just, it depends. And I think we need to educate our students a little bit better on that. So our current financial literacy program that we put together is actually going to be open to the students before they even come on to campus. It'll be pretty much due before their orientation. They're not going to get graded on it or anything, but it's expected that they go through it and check the boxes before they come onto campus. So they will have at least a little bit of financial literacy there, and then it'll be open to them throughout their entire time at the curriculum. Hopefully that'll work. We'll see. Uh, Dr. Madeline Ratoza, who I presented with, is actually doing a lot of research on that, and that's her dissertation, part of her dissertation. So That's amazing. We shall see. Fingers crossed we can make some uh, positive momentum with that because it's definitely something that needs to be taught even at a way earlier level. I think we're talking from pre-K on. We just need to be drilling these kids on like, hey, here's how money works. You know, here's how credit works. Here's how you buy a house and a car. And here's how you pay for schools. And here's multiple ways to do it. Here's affordable ways to do it. So I think if we can start at young at the home, I'm preaching to my kids that they go to two-year community college, get good grades and transfer to a state school. Texas has some great state schools if you have good grades. And then after that, if you want to go to grad school, I'd be glad to pay for it. I'll probably have, an, have enough money by then, but that's probably the most cost-effective way to do it, but I don't, we'll see. That is really good. Yeah, I hope so. If I had to do it all over again, that's how I would have done it. But I would have had to stay in New York where it's a little colder, a little more expensive, but at the same time, cost-efficiently, it would have been probably the best way to go about it. I just say... I wanted out of New York. It was too cold. I was sick of shoveling snow. I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, ladies, thank you so much for your time and for coming on to educate people on the OCS prep course. Where can people go if they want to find out more or sign up for this and get some of the resources that you guys have and get down and dirty with this studying and get ready for the exam? That would be OCSFF.com. And we also have a Facebook group, which is OCS Final Frontier. And then we also have an Instagram page as well. Perfect. Our Instagram page is OCS.FinalFrontier and our Facebook page is OCS Prep Final Frontier. Awesome. We'll put all those links in the show notes so it's easy for everybody to find. And as always, ladies, thank you so much for your time and for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Well, I hope that episode was entertaining as much as it was informational and educational. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our past episodes, we ask you to please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. And please share out the episodes to those who you feel may be able to benefit from them. We also urge you to follow us on all social media platforms at HET Podcast and let us know what topics or experts you would like to hear from in future episodes. 
And just as a reminder, none of the information on today's show should be considered medical advice. It's simply infotainment or edutainment to help educate our audience. For medical advice, we always advise you to reach out to your preferred medical professionals, and we'll see you on the next show.